That's okay. Craig doesn't really deserve having a voice. It turns out, despite all his bluster, he's not actually very good at his one job. Sorry, Craig. It's true. You're a free piece of software. I can I can say this. Feel bad for Craig now. I'm going to be up against the wall when the machines take over because of this Craig incident. Oh I yeah. Not... How do you feel on the iPhone X that scans your face? I don't have one. What the fuck's going on down there? Anyway, yeah. TJ, thanks for giving me podcast content I can't use in the podcast. Uh, Happy to do so. Real helpful. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. It's WTF or TFW. We're a little bit late on this, but whatever. We're always late. Uh, we, We are here in time to talk about something. But before we talk about it, let's say hi. Hi, I'm Chris. Uh, that's Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hi. Hi. TJ. Have, have, you, have you put that other thing up yet? TJ, hi, I'm Chris. I can't hi, hear hi, Aaron. Chris. He's, he's talking about stuff. I don't, I don't... Yeah, it's up. If, if people are hearing this, it's up. So, hey, if you're hearing this and you didn't listen to it, you better friggin' gosh darn go listen to the interview me and Aaron did with uh, Drew from Wizards of the Coast about the Transformers TCG. Uh... Not because it's a good interview, it is, but because it actually took me a while to edit. Damn it! And I'm not used to editing podcasts for a while nowadays. I don't usually do that very much. So yeah, yeah, we've uh, validate we've noticed. Me. Validate me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's also a good interview that Aaron put together. I got like now that we're not you know with wizards people in the room having to be all polite. Yo, Aaron, good job, good job. Seth hey, Aaron. you're good welcome. Jo- good job. Um. Hopefully we can make more out of it, too. But time yeah. will tell. Uh, TJ, are, are, do, you have, are you, do you have any resumed interest in card games, or are you safe? Uh, I am safe for now. Good, good. Like I, I went through that phase in high school, and I, I think I've got a little bit of a vaccine in me for it. So That's I, what you think. <laughs> well, well, you, you, it, you, it, you it, card it's called cardboard have... crack. Yeah, I know, I know. Cardboard card... flu. Yeah, like you, cardboard you don't like people, calm like... down with a little bit of it. Somebody but... says, "Hey, man, I got a pack. <laughs> you want to see?" A, you have a friend and who's then you're aggressively like... pushing it on you as actually being cocaine and not a flu. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then you're like, "Ah, sure, I'll check out one pack." And then, like. Two boxes later, you're asking to do favors in a back alley. I don't feel like TJ said hit. he's checking out a booster. I, I don't feel like he said that at all. No, no. <laughs> Pretty certain this is like the total opposite direction. We can mail him some. Uh, no. I, I First hit free. You keep that juju away from me. I think that's straight up illegal. Just sending drugs to people in the mail unsolicited. It's... But this isn't drugs, man. It's just cardboard. I... I'm not rewinding this podcast 30 seconds to get your other sound bite. I'm just going to sternly nod uh, and say we have something big to talk about, which is uh, some trailers came out for some movie. I didn't know that we had friggin' not just one but two trailers coming. I didn't even know we had the one trailer coming until like 48 hours before when suddenly clips were everywhere. But some new Bumblebee trailers came out uh, with a lot of stuff in it. Um... I think just to open up, just to establish where we're coming from, let's all do a quick one-sentence reaction to how we felt about those trailers. Mine is, I'm feeling very enthusiastic. How about you, Aaron? It appears to have story? And uh, TJ, how about you? Better than I hoped it would be. 
yeah, uh, I expected this. So we're all, it seems like we're all, uh, how do you put this, cautiously optimistic. Um, I do want to say the amount of, like, overcautious optimism has, is growing a little a little uh, grating on me, given that this is a completely different director. Um, I understand there are still ties to Michael Bay that people have trouble seeing past, and it's completely understandable, but, like, you gotta bear in mind, this is not like the Ninja Turtles director who was a Michael Bay-alike that they hired and they called it Michael Bay's Ninja Turtles in the in the friggin' logo. Um, mm-hmm. this, this, this is a director who clearly has... You only have to look at these trailers to see this director has a different filmmaking vision, in my opinion. But I'm gonna try to temper my enthusiasm, uh, put a ceiling on it just for the sake of, of a more, like, flavorful podcast. However, I just wanted to say up front... We, we all are, are pretty digging this trailer. Uh, and boy, howdy, there were some... So I got to see that trailer. I was I was actually waiting for it, and I made sure to see it before anyone put up any screen caps or before I got to see any screen caps. So uh, I got to have the jaw drop moment when I saw that shockwave. Mm. Did you guys get to see... A, did you guys see a still of him first, or did you see him in, in motion first? No, I, no, I saw in motion first that yeah. whole Cybertron sequence. I was like, wait, what? That yeah. a, like, that's a jaw... Like, already, those little hints of the Soundwave, Ravage, and Optimus were like, whoa. And I thought that was it. So seeing a, not just Shockwave, but Shockwave at the head of a friggin' group shot of Seekers uh, was not within my expectations. That was well outside of them. Well outside of the <laughs> well outside, yeah. like it was not just like the character designs. There we have like Shockwave and Coneheads in the background, and it's it looks amazing. It looks like I wanted it to do in two thousand seven. It's partnered with these shots of like Tetrajets flying through what looks like a very recognizable Cybertron. We get a and, far shot of yeah. Cybertron that doesn't look like a honeycomb of metal webs. And it's really important to point this out. In that Tetrajet shot, one of those robots transformed into a Tetrajet, mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. like on the screen. Like those models have some stuff going on, um, the, well outside of what. Like I would have expected rigged up robot models and very samey ones. Uh, I I do have some heavy crits to drop on the G one stuff. Uh, I think it is it is serving a function that involves it getting overblown well beyond its actual quality, and that's by design. Um, I don't want to, like, you know, poop on it right away. But clearly, that is the talking point for 99% of the internet right now, is that there are these big in-motion shots of what looks like straight-up G1 Transformers rendered in live-action-style CG. Uh, Do you guys agree with me when I say that that stuff looks like something that was put together after the movie started production and after The Last Night tanked? Because that's what I think. I I could see that. Now, do I necessarily agree that or think that's what it is? I don't. I don't think so. Um, I I have the feeling that they may have, regardless of the relationship um, to how changes were with the uh, last night. Like I think that there were probably like they were looking and like thematically we need to change how this goes, and they just went for G one because hey, there's a strong fan base there that we're all very upset that we never went G one, so maybe we can tap into that along the way. Would you agree when I say that, regardless of how you agree with the, with the last statement, those visuals are maybe the biggest nail in the coffin of this being some kind of direct in continuity prequel 
and and also maybe the nail in the coffin of any of the Michael Bay movies mattering uh, going forward. So what you're saying that this is a Bay prequel or that. That this is that this was sidestepping a, it. I, I think that the visuals in those scenes are the most concrete statement that while this was once a Bay prequel, that is probably not the case anymore. It's it'll be spiritual at best, aligned continuity at best. You know, like that style. Uh, I, I think that we like collectively the conversation of how will this relate to the early Michael Bay movies needs to just go away at this. Like I, I think that's a very dead topic now. Um, I, I think that was already the case for a while. After, like you know, and certainly it was not. It, certainly, when this started, when they started making this movie, this was going to be a more direct prequel. Um, I think there's plenty of evidence that shows a change in direction after production started, and okay. and I don't think this will in any way, shape, or form be a direct continuity prequel. It'll be spiritual at best. Uh, I I can maybe dig that. Because also look at how the the toys are turning out, it's namely Studio Series and Masterpiece, the ones that try very hard to get it right, clearly mm-hmm. are based on a character model that at least at some point existed that is also clearly not the character model in the finished film. Right. Uh, and also is a character model that looks a lot more like the Camaro Bumblebee. Um, has, has Not just with the door wings, but also just the general silhouette, the athletic body, as opposed to the kind of dumpier body. Um... I'm really. I don't think we'll ever hear about this, um, or at least not for many, many years, as far as how this turned out, because you can't just take a crap on previous work under your license. But right, yeah. I well, we well we knew it, we it'd knew. be it'd be interesting to see like the post post mortem like documentary about how it got there in the end. Yeah, like we knew that they were doing expanded movies. We knew they were brainstorming what to do after the last night, even before the last night was out. So, like the the Bumblebee movie was on the table for quite a while. I can imagine a lot of what we see, especially in the toys, being a little bit behind in development compared to the movies. That that is a leftover from a previous generation of design work. Where yeah, this is definitely going to be a prequel. And now we're in this stage where. The director has been very candid about saying, yeah, we're trying to stick to more classic designs. And because this was originally a prequel, we have some leeway to go back and redo designs to look more vintage and more G1 because this is before anything that's established. And, and, and mm-hmm. read, read between the lines of what the director is saying, because his language to me very much is saying, I am getting to do something that we weren't necessarily doing at first. And his language is so careful uh, that to make it at a glance sound like this is just my my interview about the movie. Everything he's saying to me rings of uh, we changed direction in a way that I prefer. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just, David Sobolov had a tweet go up where he was like, it's so nice to be in a Transformers movie full of heart. And I'm like, again, you don't like when I say read between the lines. I said this on Twitter before. I'll say it again. It's not even like subtle. It's like it's like trying to find the cream in an extra thick double stuff Oreo, right? Like it's sitting right there. <laughs> you know, they can't I'm, say ours is a, an, a, an, a, a, a deafening narcotic of a film, uh, or ours is not going to be that. Like they can't say ours is not going to be like the Michael Bay films. Um, you you just can't really do that in the uh, how do you put this? Uh, employee of a an IP franchise position, they're all in. 
Um, right. But there's there's very specific tone in what they're saying that that is informing a lot of my speculation, and I don't like speculating much. Like so that I don't just, I don't do this yeah. lightly. <laughs> it it strikes me of a director that that was told, okay, you have to do this in this universe, and it has to make sense, and then later on was told, you know what, you can do what you want a little bit. You you play with it now. Like yeah. it, it strikes me of a director like been from inheriting something that he just kind of has to continue to getting to create his own thing or take the direction he wants because uh yeah he seems he seems very into uh what they've been doing differently in this movie and i've I've even seen people starting to you know starting to poke the feelers out to the questions of stuff like well wait a second uh you know how how is this going to relate to shockwave's appearance in dark of the moon etc and it's kind of like I don't want to be... It's hard to not cross into gatekeeping tone when I say it, but I always, I just want to, like, grab people and go, like, it doesn't matter. Dark of the Moon doesn't matter to this movie anymore. So the, the relationship of this shockwave to the one in Dark of the Moon is irrelevant. Uh, and if they get something wrong in this that makes it harder to tie to the previous movies, good. Because the um, with I don't want to like literally just dump all over the previous movies because like that's also been a really easy thing to do for the last two days, um, mm. in 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 a way that I think is also adding to my frustrations of how the G one designs are almost the whole conversation. The previous movies, um, when I really am critiquing them as far as having a prequel, it's because of the lack of continuity between those previous five movies. Um, the lack, the lack of careful continuity, at least. There's very general continuity that is extremely messy. The movies are not designed in a way that uh, rewards um, continuous watching. It's it's more con- like uh, coincidental. Um, and so, trying to make a prequel to those to me was a disaster idea because there's like there's, there's so nothing to work with. All it's going to be is a stack of contradictions added to the existing stack. Uh, this movie not having to have that on its back should be embraced by everyone, whether or not you liked the Michael Bay quintology, um, because that quintology is is, in my opinion, irreparable in its in its state as just five movies. If you add in the prequel comics and everything, you get bits of repair. You also get more contradictions. Uh, that, right. that thing needs a a full on like graphic novel <laughs> to to patch it before a prequel. I think could make any sense. And so I'm, I'm just happy that they seem to be sidestepping the whole thing. The Bumblebee prequel comic book as well that's going on right now uh, that takes place in the, 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 I think, 60s or 70s. Um, I always get the 60s and 70s mixed up in my head for some reason because I was born in the 80s. So they they occupy the same I space. I think it's more 60s, less 70s. Yeah, slightly more 60s. But that prequel comic already has stuff in it that is just, aside from mentioning Sector 7, it's it's very hard to slot that together with the those five movies and i i don't mind if we just don't try to slot them together uh, i think it's for the better for everyone involved um and 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 i i want to like triple clarify it's better for everyone involved and not because those movies oh good the dank garbage is getting thrown out in the trash where it belongs like like that's not the point i'm trying to make I, I've clearly enjoyed my time with those movies, and I still think uh, the fourth one is very fun. Uh, Age of Extinction is still a very fun movie that I would watch again. Uh, admittedly, like skipping through about twenty minutes of it, but I would ver- I would watch that happily. The other four, maybe not. So- I would watch the other four in clip shows, but Age of Extinction, I would actually, you know, have I- I'd turn that on while I do some stuff. Um, 
just to make it clear where I'm coming from on that. TJ, you never really liked those movies in the first place. So... <laughs> yeah, you have to go back a long way for me to have found doing those movies. Yes. Yeah, so, so this must be... Like, seeing these two trailers, especially, must be a very welcome experience, or at least a fresh one. This is a breath of fresh air. Like, this has been just what I wanted in 2007 to see the classic designs on the big screen to have the visual identity of the characters to be able to look at it and see oh that's that sound wave and I don't have to be told that that sound wave that's just him right like I like I equate it to like making a Batman movie where Batman is in like brown armor no cape no ears and because someone <laughs> yeah yeah we all something like yeah something like that like like but that's what the director thought would be a realistic take if someone was a bat-themed superhero. Bats are brown, after all, right? Like He has a giant nose. Yeah. <laughs> visual identity is very important to me, and I think it's very important if we're going to treat these like actual pieces of pop culture iconography and not just big set pieces made of CG. And the one thing I would, I would say to temper that slightly is that not treating them like set pieces is also happening with the designs that are not 80s throwbacks. Uh, yeah, I have like, so much nice stuff to say about Shatter, Dropkick, and Blitzwing. Like, so much nice stuff just I, from these trailers. Yeah, like, I love seeing two Decepticons being deceptive. I and love, that you can mm -hmm. look at, at it, like you were saying, without the 80s part, you can still look at those two, and you immediately see, oh yeah, that one and that one. You yeah, know? yeah, they're <laughs> completely distinct. I can tell who they are. Like, right. And it's just, it's the point and of... And they have identifiable parts on them? They have, yeah. Yeah. From yeah, they have unique modes. silhouettes and colors. I'm I yeah. am in love with Shatter and Dropkick's designs. When uh, I think it was M. Cipher pointed out that Shatter, even though she's very carish with a pair of jet wings, she also has a piece of front landing gear as her abdomen inside yeah. a car grill. And I'm like, that's so inspired. <laughs> uh, Aaron, we you and I have have always been able to get like you've gotten just popcorn out of these films pretty solidly, and I've gotten a mixture of popcorn and making up my own story out of these films. Mm -hmm. um, for you, like like I think these trailers way more so than that first one have, have really spoken to the tone and the story of this film. Uh, are you also feeling like like we are that this is kind of like if anything, it's feeling very fresh this experience? Oh, for sure. Um... I mean, because it, I want to say with the the previous movies, it's always seemed like we have to take the last movie and turn it up another 10%. Mm. Turn it up another 20% because we only got 10% last time. And so, like, some of those hits on the films just kept going weird. It looks like this is just nice kind of, like, refresh back to the story about a, a girl in her car and turns out the car's a humanoid robot that has got memory issues and maybe that's not a bumblebee thing i'm a fan of becoming the trend but hey it appears to be oddly um, yeah like cyberverse is kind of the same story <laughs> yeah, yeah where i mean and it was cute that he's on the beach and like okay we hide and she's like you transform into a car or into a car because that's what you do and he's like head in the sand and it's like okay that is that's a good kid joke Mm -hmm. And that's also kind of a good adult joke because you can be like, you, okay. When she gets angry at him in her living room and his response is to just turn into a car. Yeah. Yeah. That was so adorable. Like, I, I loved yeah. it. Yeah. I love, I love, yeah, like that's where, that's where I kind of get that part 
part of this movie. Yeah. Because yeah. just in just in watching these trailers, I feel more connection between Bumblebee and Charlie than I do three <sighs> movies with Sam. Yeah, and, and a huge part of it is, and, and I mean, I've I've kind of had an agenda of constantly saying, no, the 07 movie was not as great as you all say it was, and, I, and this is just more ammo for that because in the 07 movie, sure, there was an there was a, a story was a bond between a boy and his car. Bumblebee, however, always came off like at best a junior superhero, if not a full on superhero. It was very hard to feel worried about Bumblebee ever. Mm-hmm. Which, in my opinion, made it very hard to care about the bond between him and Sam. Because it was like, look, a teenage boy and a friggin' like Bucky to a Captain America made friends. It's 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 not really that scary because the teenage boy made friends with a capable warrior. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and and it's and I mean obviously Bumblebee's gonna like pop warrior mode in this movie at some point, but. Even this, this movie is even doing the scene from the 07 one where the military are kind of like, you know, harpooning him and you're supposed to feel worried for him. And I remember it in the 07 movie. I was just like, I just don't feel like he's in danger because I already saw him fight barricade one on one and kind of handily dispatch him. <laughs> so I, I don't feel like the humans are going to like tear him to pieces. I feel like it's more he might just kill all the humans, which eventually turned into the identity of a lot of the movie Autobots for me. Um. So yeah, I the 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 base story of this is is being presented so like it's a very shallow story, but it's being presented so well, and the the direction of the robots is huge to me because it's the thing I I remember I felt this way when I saw Pacific Rim after you know a couple years of Transformers movies when finally someone else did giant robots on screen that felt um a little anime in their delivery, uh. The thing about Michael Bay that I, I feel even at his best is that he tolerated having Transformers in his films. Uh, and it came off that way when you think about how most of the set pieces in those Transformers films are live-action set pieces that the Transformers are added to, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Um, a great example of this, uh, end of one of these Bumblebee trailers, there's a scene where Charlie's running, Bumblebee's trying to trying to fight off uh, Dropkick and and run after her, and Dropkick's kind of running after them. It's it's There was a, a scene like that in the 07 movie with, like, Sam running away while Barricade and Bumblebee are fighting behind him, if I recall correctly, or was it the military guys? Um, I mean, There's a brief scene where Sam's running away when uh, Bumblebee and Barricade start grappling. Yeah, because um, in yeah. my mind that was the scene I was comparing it to, and as I, this is how I remember it. Uh, in the 07 movie, the shot is Sam running away from special effects, and you sometimes see a little bit of the special effects, but at the end of the day, they're special effects behind Sam. In this Bumblebee movie, it is a shot where Charlie is the bottom third of the shot, and the robots are the top two-thirds, and you can see their fight scene as it's happening, and see her running away, because they're being treated like characters and not like set-piece elements. Yeah. And that's huge. And for me, that that one sequence where you know she's running away from this this running battle, just the way the way that it is shot, just reminds me. Just okay, this this reminds me of how much danger she is in because it is shot specifically to highlight how big these things are and how destructive they are. Yeah. Right. She's smaller the thing than is, you these can, two things. You can, you can have that. Sh- you can have that shot in a movie like this to give you that feeling, and then still be able to cut back and see robots fighting, and have it framed so you can see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of the robot action too. I mean, we said this about the first trailer because it was evident there. Uh, it again, and the way I describe it is, it's shot like the robots are characters and not props. 
Um, the Michael Bay films often shot, like obviously there are exceptions here and there, but for the most part, I feel they shot a lot of the a lot of their action sequences like the robots were props in the scenes and not the characters in the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 you could say that about um, a scene where there are mech suits fighting, like that. It, it works sometimes to have like you know humanoid CG elements fighting as props. But with Transformers specifically, it, it only takes away from what what I think people want out of these movies. And uh, another scene that I think is a big example in these new trailers was Bumblebee in the uh, tunnel when he's half transformed running around the yeah. tunnel. Mm-hmm. When he's uh, like Pudgy B? Yeah, he's Pudgy B because he's preserving his seating section so he doesn't you know lose his passengers. Right. And I, that scene feels like all, the closest to straight up throwing a... a uh, just like throwing a dart, throwing a paper airplane at Michael Bay's eyeball. Because mm-hmm. how many times did he, in every single movie, it was the joke that at some point a Transformer would turn into a robot, vomit the humans out of it to shoot them forward, catch them and turn into a car around them again, right? Yeah. In this film, Bumblebee just goes like, what if I just don't t- all the way go into a robot? Like, what, <laughs> what if I just grow limbs out of my car mode and run around a bit so I don't have to, like, fire the humans out like bull- bullets? I mean, to be uh, fair, he's in a tunnel there. That too. <laughs> well, you know what, though? I mean, the the, the I, I feel like the when, when, what was it, Optimus Prime, like, fired someone out of him in truck mode over a bridge? And yeah. Like, yeah. That, that kind of crossed the line of any kind of, like, well, you know, he's only doing it in these certain situations. Yeah, that's the one that stands out in my head. Yeah. Where you just, like, hey, listen, that's a Mark Wahlberg movie, right? I think he shot Mark Wahlberg out. Um, I can't remember now. I, I wanted to say I want to say that was Age of Extinction. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe, it's like it's like one, it's like Prime spit him out and Bumblebee caught him. Yeah, like I I want to say I have affection for the fact that that was kind of a thing in every single Michael Bay movie because it, it was a funny visual callback to me, and I, I appreciate that they it seemed like someone recognized that. <laughs> But, like, it's it's just, again, to me, shows so much more care. Because when you shoot the human out, it turns the human into the focus of the set piece. Again, human is shot out, the camera's focused on them, and the robot is kind of happening around them. In right. this Bumblebee movie version, Bumblebee is the character protecting the characters inside him. Uh, it's a very important distinction to make that I think is really important. And I... You know, I'm going to stop harping on this, I swear. I think it's one of the things that's really getting lost while the rest of the internet is basically saying, look, there's G1 characters. You know, like, it's 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 missing the uh, fiber of the film that is also clearly an improvement for, for this kind of movie. Um, anyway, I, can, can, I, I'm going to do my one thing, because I feel like it needs to be said. The G1 okay. scenes look really cool. Uh, I'm excited about them. They also, I think, were uh, quality-wise the worst-looking part of the trailer in a way that I feel supports my theory that they were one of the last things that were put together. Uh, They look like a very good video game cutscene. I could see that, like, maybe those aren't complete, and since they're all CG, like the stuff where he's interacting with a human, you got to make sure that looks good because it'll be really obvious if it's not. Yeah. But like, if it's something that like is all just CG against CG against CG, if it's not as good, it's maybe not as It's harder to notice. It, it, it's yeah, harder to notice the and then also you can be like I don't 
how do you know what alien robots on another planet across oh, the galaxy look right. like? I, 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 don't mean, they, I don't mean that. They look like they just came out of CG. I, w- I want to be clear. It's not the designs. It is actually just a certain layer of finish and rendering that I'm noticing is a little bit yeah. more video gamey. Yeah. Like I caught that. I caught a little bit of that too. And I, I feel I feel like when they're on Earth and they're using actual footage and CGing something in, they have they have the ability to match the lighting and the tone and all that, so it blends in and it looks photorealistic, even though it's a giant metal robot. You don't have that as much when it's just all CG around you. I think mm-hmm. you you can to a certain level though that uh, actually the Michael Bay movies had when they had their Cybertron scenes. And, and that's why I think this. I, that's why I think these G one models are the last thing that they put together. Um, I think it's just a case of they have not had as much time to uh, put finish and polish on those scenes. Uh, another telling fact is that the Cybertron scenes. Yes, you know it, it's also part of the aesthetic. People say it's the War for Cybertron aesthetic. Having lots of darkness and shadows helps you when your models are not quite, you know, a hundred and ten percent. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and so that's why I just want to say it because I feel like again either people aren't saying it or when someone says it they're getting kind of cornered by people saying like oh you want more Michael Bay stuff it's like no the, it's I think it's really important to recognize that, that G1 stuff exists in these trailers for this shock value um, focal point of the conversation factor in a way that I think is actually taking away from the more important qualities being displayed and and I also am worried I know it's people are smart but I'm worried it's setting up people to think that that's going to be the the thing they're going to go see the film for and like I don't think it's going to be more than five minutes of that stuff so like you know try to at least like recognize like that the rest of the film is also being put together well and I'm going to say people probably are recognizing that and they're just more excited about the G1 stuff and so like like I said on Twitter that I'm Charlie in the shot where Bumblebee's ruffling her hair and she looks all like irritated and Bumblebee's I'm Charlie and Bumblebee's telling me people are allowed to like things that they like and and I I I wanted to just say I recognize that 100% I just had to get that out there in a podcast somewhere that like the G1 scenes are very cool and the models look very nice. They are not the best looking part of those trailers. And I doubt they'll be the best looking part of the film. And that's not to say that they suck. It's just like there's so much other cool stuff going on. Everything was shatter and dropkick. I'm in after the initial, oh my god, a shockwave moment, everything was shatter and dropkick. I'm way more excited for. Uh in in a positive way. Um Speaking of which, how do you guys feel about Shatter and Dropkick? Friggin' so we knew Shatter was Angela Bassett, so obviously her voicing was pretty solid. I was worried Dropkick was going to be kind of like a, a goon, but like that dude's voice was some of the smooth stuff. That was some yeah. of the, the sugary syrup. I was like, no, tell me more about how you're going to nuke the planet, my man. Like, let's hear it. <laughs> uh, they were cool. Like, I don't know how else to put it. They they were cool. I'm I, like I said. I'm happy to see very calculating Decepticons. I'm happy to see Decepticons that aren't big, s- snarling, drooling monsters. Isn't it so nice that they're not spraying spit and speaking yes, that dumbass Cybertronian language? or whatever. Like you listen to what Barricade says in the O seven movie. There's a part where he just literally. It sounds like Jess Harnell said something like "poff, poff, poff," and then they just played it in reverse. There's a part where Barricade goes like, hop, 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 hop. And I'm like, even back in 07, I was like, that sounds really stupid. Yeah. Uh, or anything Frenzy says, speaking in swear words. It's funny, but, like, I'm glad that, like, I can take these characters a little more seriously. <laughs> and I can feel like they're characters. 
They're not punchlines that are animated. Or friggin' the last night's Decepticon crew of literally, we are a bunch of action scene punchlines, because we're all here to get dismembered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I think in that second, the second trailer, the international one, there is a shot of Bumblebee throwing a chain at a helicopter that looks like Dropkick, and he's yanking it down, and it looks like the helicopter's exploding with parts flying out. Um, I'm ready to accept the Shatter and Dropkick probably won't survive the movie. I really want them to survive, and I, I will say I really hope that's not Dropkick's death scene, because uh, that is very That'd much... That'd kind of be rough to be in a trailer. Yeah. It would suck if it's in a trailer. Also, that would be a real Michael Bay death of a Decepticon kind of scene. We yanked a helicopter and it exploded, you know? Yeah. It's it's an awkward cut between the chain pull and the explosion. It, it makes me feel like that's not how it flows. Yeah, and, and I mean, a lot of people have pointed this, this out, by the way. My favorite shot of the trailers, the we're going to use our car modes as landing gear shot, which is freaking awesome. Uh, also, they switch places during that shot. Uh, the, yeah, the, I, I'm the not convinced unquote, those are the same scenes. Yeah, I, I looked at them, and I'm like, maybe there's a problem here. This is something that could get caught in the edit. Maybe At worst, there's a problem with this scene, and I can joke that it's an homage to the Michael Bay style of editing. But, like... I, I have a feeling it might have just been, like, trailer edits. It might be two different scenes. Um, if it's not, then whatever. But, like, uh, it certainly is something that people noticed, in part because we've all been watching that transformation 500 times. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I, I am so into those designs. The part where they go from aircraft mode to car mode to robot is one of the friggin' coolest friggin' triple changer things you could have ever done. Yeah. Get mm -hmm. me off. Th I'm going to start gushing. Someone say something cuz like <laughs> Okay, here. I'll I'll put in a little bit of anti-gushing on it. Why would you fly to land as a car to drive 5 feet to transform into because a robot? Cuz you don't need landing gear if you're a cool guy. You know? And you're going fast <laughs> it, wait, enough it's wait. like what if it, I land it, as a robot, I might, you know, I might trip and I'll not look cool. So I'll land it on wheels and you Is know. this some Rikert issue, some cool guy bad dude stuff? Maybe. Listen, if you if you could turn into a muscle car and a helicopter, right? Yes, you uh -huh. could touch down as a helicopter and stand up. That would be the nerd way to land. Uh, you could transform in midair and, and land like a really cool guy. Maybe secretly you're not super good at that and you don't want to screw up in front of the humans. So you know what's super cool? I don't even need to turn into a car, but I'm gonna because I wanna. Now I'm a robot. By the way, I have two modes because I'm a friggin' alien. What's up? Yeah. Like, I'm not, <laughs> like, we're gonna go meet John Cena. I don't wanna go looking like a loser. Hey, John Cena, you can see all three of me. <sighs> like, John, like, check this out. John Cena likes muscle cars. Let's turn into muscle cars. It's so freaking cool. Also, that shot. Do you see the shot where Shatter does the like side, the the small sideways cartwheel flip into jet mode, and then VTOL hovers. Uh -huh. the next, mm -hmm. oh, oh my god! Or the people. People obviously have pointed out the the shot, which is borderline right out of the G one eye catch that had Jazz do it, where he's like drive in, turn left his car, and transform into flying punch. Uh man uh blitzwing straight up anime speed line transformation it was in that first trailer but then in that international we see he not only anime speed line transforms he grabs bumblebee and then anime as hell goes like super fast pushing bumblebee into the ground uh mm -hmm. another like very just in the storyboards it felt very super robot anime to me the shot of also him just pulling bumblebee's face up when he starts yelling at him like in that very hard side profile uh 
Also, like, Blitzwing just straight up having a G1 thug-ass goon voice. Like, David Sobolov doing some good work sounding almost literally like Thundercracker from the 80s. Uh, just like the big, like I'm a, I'm bigger than you, and I'm a tough guy. I want Optimus Prime. You dumb little robot. Where is he? Like that, that voice, so good. Uh, I'm, I'm aimless. I actually was gonna try to have an aim in talking about these trailers. I've, I'm completely aimless. Um, Aaron, have you got any, any, anything else you want to bring up about the trailers? Uh, not bef- over what we've gone. I think we've gushed quite a bit over stuff over. Five minutes of collected video. Yeah, and how long has it been since we've actually wanted to gush this much over five minutes of collected video? Yeah, you you make a strong (laughs) argument, sir. (laughs) It's it's reminding me of the the yonder days of '09 (laughs) Mm -hmm. when we thought Devastator was going to be cool. Uh, TJ, was there anything else that really stuck out in the trailers you wanted to cover? I I think that kind of covers it. I mean, it's. Yeah, like, coll- like collectively between two trailers, it's really like maybe three and a half minutes worth of actual visuals we got. This is a lot of discussion for three and a half minutes of footage. Yeah, yeah. And if those other five movies in ten years didn't exist, I think there would be less discussion. Like a lot of this is. Oh yeah. This is the first time we're seeing a feature film live action Transformers thing by a sec. This is the second director. Like, yeah. it's kind of insane that 10 years later we're on a second director. So there's some excitement there, too. And this is whether or not Michael Bay's movies were good or not. It would be exciting to talk about a new director working on this stuff. Uh, and, and one last thing I'll say that I'm kind of cribbing from my own Twitter. If all these designs were fr- were from the last 10 years, if these were just Michael Bay movie designs, but the shots were assembled the same way, I would be this excited. Um, the robot designs are helping, but whether or not these robot designs were new, the composition of these shots, the way these action sequences are being presented in these clips, the way that the robots are being treated by the filmmaker, all are an improvement, in my opinion. Because they feel like they're being treated like characters, not props. And uh, I think it's important to say. Also, I don't know Travis Knight very well. I decided I'm going to not watch Kubo until after Bumblebee, just to be in that unique position. Um, and who knows? He he's showing just he can make a very good like heartfelt kids movie and maybe that and actually very likely that's all this is going to be so like you mm-hmm. know have your expectations in check this is not going to be the a film of the year in terms of good films but uh, I think this is going to be a very solid film I'm very worried about it because it's dropping in the Christmas death slot uh, I think these trailers in fact are calculated to try to make sure people remember this movie is coming out that that's why I I semi grudgingly am fine with how much I'm not fine obviously but I I am accepting how much the the G1 robot modes are the feature of the conversation right now because the film is going to need help if it wants to be seen in the slot it's coming out in uh and and uh, hopefully it is a good enough film that I want to encourage lots of people to see it. Uh, I'm going to try to see it, obviously, as soon as I can. But uh, I don't want to say, like, we all have to do our part to make sure this film does well. Because there's a chance that the film still sucks. Who knows? I, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking very much less so that that's going to be the case. But I, 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 I don't want to, like, start preemptively saying, like, we have to do our part for the franchise or whatever. Because it doesn't... Franchise, we don't owe it anything necessarily. Uh, 
So I, I'm going to go see it opening night. I'm sure most fans will anyway, but if it turns out to be a good movie, I'm probably going to actually push kind of hard. I might see it a second time because I, I do worry about the idea of a good movie about something I like not doing well because it's in a Christmas death slot. Uh, I might be wrong about the Christmas slot being a death slot. It's just my understanding is coming out when this movie is coming out does not guarantee a lot of just average moviegoers are going to go see it. Um, especially since there's there's other stuff coming out that is banking on maybe slipping in as people's Christmas holiday film. Uh, so we'll see. But yeah, we're, we're talking a lot about the trailer and maybe I should put a cap on it. I, I also really want to just throw out the human actors and it all look like they're doing a really solid job. Uh, John Cena included. Uh, and and like I, I'm buying Charlie as a main character a whole lot more than any of the other ones. Uh, I bought Mark Wahlberg actually the most of the Michael Bay films because he felt like he was supposed to be there. Um, he's probably my favorite human actor uh, as a main character in those, but uh, that all has like a very concrete ceiling on it that like is brushing against the top of my head without me having to stand up. Um, so I'm I'm I am excited about this. Uh, and thank you to everyone on Twitter who put up with me tweeting about it for like three straight hours when the trailers came out. Anyway, we got some listener questions, and one of these is kind of a coda from the conversation we just had. And I think this is so. This came to me as a Twitter direct message, and I don't actually know if it was supposed to be for the podcast. I just kind of assumed it was. So I hope I'm using this correctly. Just assume anybody talking to you is giving a question for <laughs> the podcast. Wants to be like put up on a, on a stick and, and waved around for a small podcast audience. No, ma'am, I don't understand how paper <laughs> plastic will play on the internet. But all right, fine, we'll do it. <laughs> All right, we got we got a listener question from David. Do we want fries with that? He's like, I, you need to get out of the drive through sir. You have 20 <laughs> customers parked behind you. I don't know why you're streaming this. Uh, th- this came in from Toys Most Wanted uh, on Twitter, who said, with three Transformers properties, the Bumblebee movie, Cyberverse, and Siege, all going G1-inspired, what effect do you think it will have on the general fandom, and more specifically, the toy-collecting part of the fandom? Uh, so I can save a little bit of backup that there is at least a solid demographic, not a majority, but a solid demographic who are getting kind of tired of it, to be honest. Uh, which is a shame because I think the Bumblebee movie is using it the best. Um, and and I, I feel bad that it's maybe suffering a bit for it uh, for, from some of the more, you know, deep knees deep in the water fans. But it is kind of making it less special. Like that shockwave model popping up is the most oh my god G1 I've felt in a good long time because it's really hard to get excited about G1 right now in my opinion I don't know how you guys feel but there's so much of it for so long now it's like we've been, it's like what was a special steak it's like if you have steak every single night Aaron like eventually yeah. it stops being it, special it, yeah eventually you'd like crave that like nasty burrito from the place down the street that you don't know what's in that it's meat probably it's been so long since i had ground anything like i just <laughs> uh well, aaron do you, do you how do you feel uh this this might have an effect on things i mean we know evergreen is literally a bunch of g1 inspired designs too. yeah so like aside from evergreen i could definitely it kind of feels like transformers is in a contraction of of uh of the fan base a little bit or of of sales and just the general like you even look at the shelf space that it's getting in some places it's contracted down some so i can see in like 
seeing that as the current or near future, maybe the the thought is like, hey, let's fall back to the stuff that we know we've got a fan base on rather than try and spin it out to something weird or different. Because like if you're afraid of the future Transformers doing something crazy like like animated was when it first hit. Like if you're if you're afraid that that stuff might not being be hanging on, like go back to the well and you know try for a good reboot so that you know it, there's less of that uh, like language to to communicate. You can Optimus Prime looks like friggin' Optimus Prime. You know, okay, well, but we want to do one all in the air, and now there's a, a Optimus Prime jet guy. Okay, not this time, because nobody knows what the heck you're talking about. Oh, Star Saber, he's really cool, and he's hit. No. We know what Optimus Prime is. Let's roll back to that. Maybe if this all does well, season two or three, we introduce the cool ideas that can that can push it away from the, like, first, you know, the... the the premier miniseries 1984 guys. Mm. And and TJ, what about you? Like, how, how do you feel things are looking right now and maybe in just the immediate, like, one-year future or so uh, with, with G1 just kind of... It's kind of everywhere. It kind of... Kind of is. Uh, if I've learned anything from the current... Uh, the, the Prime Wars trilogy that we are now at the tail end of, it's... There is a lot of G1 out there. I mean, you, you think of three straight years of Transformers based on G1 toys, and there's still areas they haven't touched on. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot out there. Like, there's part of me that feels like all of this could feasibly coexist if they are very careful about what goes where. Like, if there's a triple changer focus in the Bumblebee movie. Okay, so we don't have to worry about that as much in like in like uh in siege or in cyberverse you know and like cyberverse is handling things like okay that's got all the classic seekers in it so siege doesn't need to rush into them you know we can save star scream and the rest for later waves and such like that i do i do miss the daring hasbro yeah like, and and cyberverse that that part when we have a three-pronged Transformers going on of a collector line, a movie line, and then a kids' cartoon in line. I think the kids' cartoon in line really should be just doing whatever it thinks will work for kids in the current era with a Transformers tinge, because it leads to really interesting, new, fresh-looking stuff. Cyberverse looks like I actually am, am liking it. You know, as as a you know eleven-minute episode kids' cartoon, I think it's fine, um, but. It's it's very hard to feel excited about it. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like it's just doing what the other two are now are doing, um, and and probably one of my biggest critiques of it is that Cyber versus G One Reverie is kind of dragging it down a lot more than it's propping it up. The most interesting stuff in Cyberverse are all the characters who don't look like G One characters, like oh, what's her name, the you know mm-hmm. the crazy monocle lady who doesn't like Bumblebee. Um, 
Crick Shadow or whatever. Uh, it's, that's the stuff I'm more interested in because instead you've got like, like you know, sound alike part and, and non-union actor part aside, they cast an Optimus Prime voice actor who sounds like they cast him because he could kind of sound like Peter Cullen, and it's like that's so, uh, a lo- not so unfair. I think it's unfair, is what I'll say. I think it's unfair yeah. to the actor to cast them with the idea that yeah, we want you because you sound like someone who's more expensive. And it's like, that sucks. Like, I hate it when they do that for the Marvel cartoons, too. Um, it, it just it lets down, I think, what the actor could be doing with the character. Um, the guy who plays Iron Man in all those Marvel cartoons, to his credit, he, for a guy who was hired because he could sound kind of like Robert Downey Jr., he really took that character over the course of a few years and, I think, spanned it into his own thing. But, like, it's it just does, it does not help a show like Cyberverse, in my opinion. Um, I think it is going to help the Bumblebee movie. Um, like I said, it's so calculated the way it's going to help it. <laughs> I, I feel like they know what they're doing with that. Uh, and I think that might, as a result, give Transformers a bit more of a push, at least for like six months, because people are going to be spreading this all over all the pop culture. The pop culture sites are going to be going, G1 is back again. Look, it's my childhood. Oh, man, I had Shockwave. You know, the the whole rigmarole we've seen like two or three times now. Yeah. Um. It's it's gonna I think through the Bumblebee movie have a big chance not not 100 percent but a big chance of of pushing Transformers to getting a bigger aisle space again for instance but uh, I just feel like they gotta making Evergreen not not just be this is our random Dollarama toys but also to have made it into Cyberverse and then for it to like ah oh man I don't know how to how to put this without like kind of stepping on my own heels but like inherently it shouldn't have dragged cyberverse down uh visually it should work but it's and it's when they get to the part of casting people to sound kind of like the old ones again more so than putting their own performance in uh where it it, it, i can't blame people for getting kind of tired of it like i i don't really mind it that much myself but like I have talked to people who are kind of sick of it and i i can't tell them that like no it's everything that we all wanted because it's like you realize you can now say that for borderline like what eight or nine years that we've yeah. been getting toys about everything yeah. we always wanted uh, i mean because we kept saying that because we went through a time where they're all animals and we went through five years of beast wars beast machines and then we went through the unicron trilogy and it's like we spent forever getting back to g1 after generation two ended so now it's just like now it's everywhere because it's the certainty like i feel like i feel like between robots in disguise not performing quite as well as Prime did, and now uh, the last night, you know, doing half as good as Age of Extinction. Like I feel, I, like, I need, I need to point out that that's still it making multi million dollars. I know, I know, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it still just... made more money than you'll ever contemplate seeing. Yeah, this movie that made half a billion dollars was such a failure. But because, well, it's because they set such a high bar with that franchise. Now well, they've gone. Is why they threw a bag of money at Michael Bay is because his name seemed to always make two billion dollars every two years. Yeah, uh, and so then you know, that didn't happen. And I, I didn't mean to take you off tangents. It's, it's so hard to not comment on that every time I hear it. Of like, <laughs> oh, the last night tanked, and I'm like, yeah, it, it. I'm doing huge air quotes. Tanked. Yeah, it's like I'm very specific <laughs> when I say didn't do as well as the previous movies because yeah. it still did fairly well just not what they expected it to do <laughs> but it feels like it, it made everyone at Hasbro and everyone involved just like go into full turtle mode and just tuck themselves in and go just do what 
whatever makes sense, whatever we know sells. G1 sells, just do that, and we'll just figure it out later. And you gotta wonder, I, I am getting also huge um, scents, like S-C-E-N-T, like I'm getting the smell of a Hasbro who doesn't, who has not forgotten what happened to G.I. Joe. Like, a lot of this feels like we went through we went through G.I. Joe and that's not gonna happen again. Like, I get a, I get a lot of that off of this. Um, mm-hmm. Right down to the movies, even. Like, to just eject, push the eject button on Michael Bay and the whole expanded universe thing immediately feels like a, a company that remembers what they went through with G.I. Joe 2, basically. Um, yeah. But this this leads to the thing I meant to point out actually earlier. Do you guys think because General Techno is the one I saw posit this, and I really agree with it as a, as a hypothesis. Do you think part of the reason we haven't seen any Siege Decepticons yet might have been because they wanted us to see that trailer first? Because do you guys think that maybe the Siege Decepticons will maybe, by happenstance, kind of resemble those Cybertron but, scenes? Man, I don't know. What with the rumor that Shockwave's a leader toy in Siege that we haven't seen yeah, yet? Yeah, I mean, I could see... What with us having seen Tetra Jets in the Siege artwork, and hey, guess what? Those all turn into Tetra Jets. <laughs> yeah, the, the fact I that could... the Seeker design in that movie has a screw hole on the front of its pelvis? There is a divot for a screw on the front of the pelvis of the Seekers in those G1 scenes. That I did not notice, but... Take a look at their groins, and you will... Like, oh, I gotta... Oh God. I got why, a feeling, why will you not stop telling me to do that? I got a feeling Siege might have finally... I'm, I'm taking someone else's words and ideas here. I want to really point out. But I really agree with the hypothesis until maybe we get proven wrong. Um, that, it, that it cracked into it? I, what if they finally figured out, hey, we, we figured out how to really cross the streams on these movies and our generation's toys? Like... May, I mean, it wouldn't be bad. Yeah, no, no. It's, but like, it's, it's kind of been rough that some of these things get separated you know unduly that oh that's a, a movie toy versus a, a other toy um, and I don't know it was also you know rough just the way that uh, um, you know some some of that separation happened on things where it it never it never seemed like what was good for one, was ever good for the other other than the buckets of money and this would also provide some media for the generations line to have maybe media that is for just being probably five minutes of footage already getting infinitely more renown and acclaim than three seasons of machinima made cartoons like i don't know we'll we'll see i'm not saying that's 100 just i think it's a very good hypothesis that sounds very accurate to me but we'll, we'll see how it turns out and and the friggin' all this stuff, I I have spent years being really put off speculation, and everything tying into this Bumblebee movie is making me feel all excited to speculate again. Uh, that said, I hope that answered your question. That hopefully was for the podcast. Toys most wanted. <laughs> um, we have another quick one. This is a Q and A that we didn't do, but apparently. The Hasbro Instagram or Transformers Instagram page was taking Q and A specifically on Siege Ultra Magnus. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Like it was through Instagram stories, and uh, and they shared some tidbits. Uh, some actually pretty decent ones. Like someone said, "Will you have a hammer?" They said, "No," but keep and keep a lookout. Wreckers fans should keep a lookout for one in the line, uh, which is easy to posit as like, "Hey, there's a whole price point of little guys who turn into weapons." 
Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe <laughs> there's one that turns into a hammer. Uh, I like the part where they're like, you can kind of put any any shoulder cannons on them using the combat. Si- I didn't know it was called the combat system. As an yeah, acronym. I didn't either. As a friggin' acronym, the C O M B A T system. What does that stand for? <laughs> Which I'm I'm hoping that's like whoever was typing that up was like, no, we wait a second. I wanted to call it the combat system this whole time, but I was shot down by Greg in marketing. C period O period M period B period A period T period. You can't shut me down, Mark. So now, now it's on us, right? So it is the Cybertronian online melee battle and tactics tactics system missile. I need to get ranged in there somehow. There, there's no R. Don't worry. It worked. It's better than the uh, <laughs> the combat the, system <laughs> the, than than some of the the NASA things. The uh, um um oh crap, what's it called? Uh, um, there is a treadmill on the International Space Station um, that is the Combined Operational Load-Bearing External Resistance Treadmill. What is that acronym? Colbert. I hate, I hate it. I hate because, it. because there was there was a uh, one of those like, hey, name a thing. And it was going to be one of the um, the nodes that's like the the six-way connector that's up on the International Space Station. And Colbert, there was no limitations, and so Stephen Colbert did a joke about it, like, hey, you should do this. And they're like, nah, we're not naming a significant portion of it the Colbert, but we can figure out how to work an acronym into this treadmill thing. There you go. I like it now. If it's done in that <laughs> spirit, I like it. I'm very particular about acronyms. Uh... Going I mean, back to that '60s prequel comic for the Bumblebee movie, because it's taking mm-hmm. place in '60s like Spyville kind of stuff. Oh yeah, everything is there like are a, so many great acronyms in that twenty-seven <laughs> letter acronym, and you're like, nah. And every single time one of those acronyms get used, they always have this the the um the liner note with the star saying what the acronym stands for. Like it's very knowing, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Basically, when I don't like acronyms, it's when it's garbage like chug. That's when I don't like acronyms. Yeah. Well, yeah. we we could also be dealing with a situation like when. Uh, uh, when uh, Osborne took over Shield in the Marvel comics and just renamed it Hammer, and yeah. just like, well, just figure it out later. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I want to call it Hammer. Just put a bunch of periods in there for trademark, and we'll just we'll just figure well, out. Well, then what, what was the other part of that? Was they had bought a bunch of Hammer tech and didn't want to like rebrand everything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I just realized the part where they said keep an eye out for a hammer elsewhere in the siege line isn't that literally Ironhide's weapon is a hammer made out of missile launchers? I just rem- I just remember that now. Uh huh. That yeah. that might be what they're talking about. That's less exciting. I want a guy who turns into a hammer. Fake Busker made one of those, and it's a cool little thing you can get on Shapeways. Um, they also someone's asked how tall the figure is. They said he's eight inches tall at the top of his tall shoulders. Which, on an Ultra Magnus, can be kind of a BS answer, but if you look at the aesthetics, like, his shoulder stacks are not enormously tall. So right. that's not a bad answer. Um, and then someone wanted to know where the inspiration... This is cool, where the inspiration came from. Uh, his robot mode is uh, designed with a nod to G1 animated with details from 1980s Japanese concept art, but the Cybertron vehicle mode, thank goodness they just said it, is inspired from 2001 Ultra Magnus from Robots in Disguise, or God Magnus. That was a real overt homage, and I'm glad they just said that's the homage, because I was going to get mad if they didn't. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, And then the last thing they said is, uh, someone said, is it true the vehicle has a hover mode? 
So I was like, where the hell did that come from? But then their answer says, well, Voyager class war for Cybertron Optimus does have a hover mode. And I'm like, excuse me? Where did that come from? <laughs> did I miss something? Yeah, they, they specifically I, I, said that some of them would have hover modes because in the G1 cartoon, in the first scene, they all had they they didn't have wheels. They, I missed they all that. hovered. Yeah. I, I, I thought that just meant some of them won't have wheels. I didn't know that meant like that, that Optimus we saw has a, I guess, wheels fold down mode. Uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, they also mentioned MicroMasters can ride on the trailer, and it's like, yeah, buddy, the trailer is hot. You can probably put more than MicroMasters in there. I get it. That's, <laughs> that's like saying MicroMasters will fit on your desk. It's like, uh, yes, they will. There's plenty of room. You, you could probably fit a MicroMaster on top of a Deluxe, too. But uh, I think this is a really cool idea, and I kind of hope they do this more often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I see this being a neat uh, side-by-side with the uh, leaked from the designer desk. Yeah. Uh, just, just tidbits that like that can become bullet points on a wiki entry are 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 so worth doing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wanted to highlight it because also they did it through it looks like Instagram stories, which is those those things that are that disappear after twenty four hours, and I'm still kind of trying to understand because I'm 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 just old enough to find that weird. Uh, so I'm because glad- it's like the Snapchats, right? It's. I think what sorry, killed sorry Snapchat. Sorry to do it that way. I, I think that I think it is actually literally what killed Snapchat was Facebook and Instagram just in putting Snapchat in as a subsystem. As this is what mm-hmm. I was described to me, but uh, this stuff, like seeing this stuff get archived like this, is also very good, and and I hope that it continues to happen. Um, anything else about? That? I just wanted to highlight the Q and A. I didn't know if there's really much to talk about with it otherwise. <laughs> uh. So if you, if you guys want to move on, uh, TJ, would you like to read us this question from Bolt Matrix? Uh, sure, I can do that. Uh, from Bolt Matrix. Uh, what Beast Machine, or what Beast Wars or Beast Machines character would you like a masterpiece or third party figure of? Second question, what non-animated Beast Wars or Beast Machines figure would you like to get the MP third party treatment? And he, he clarified the first question was basically who 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 from the cartoon would you like to see, and then who who was not in the cartoon would you like to see, uh, or any cartoon, including the Japanese ones. So it's weird. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, I want to see a lot of Transmetals get masterpieceized because they were in a lot of the best episodes. But now that Dinobot happened, I really want to see Air Razor. I want to see how I want to see how this team would do air masterpiece air razor yeah any any of those big shift ones would be interesting to see how they do yeah uh, animation style wise that's kind of where i am like now that you guys actually did the cheatiest of them all i want to see how else you 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 figure out how to how to render these cheaty cg models like i want to see more it's it's really exciting stuff um aaron it sounds like you're kind of on my wavelength with this one yep uh, TJ, what about you? Is there anyone from the show that you really want to see get masterpiece-ized, official or otherwise? Mm. Uh, God, there's so many that I know will probably happen eventually, and the transmetals feel... Like, like, I would agree, like, a lot of transmetals come to mind. If I'm gonna pick a name, it's going to be Inferno. Yeah. Like, I, mm-hmm. would, I would love to have a really nice Inferno toy, and it's one that feels like it'd be a, a, a you know, ten years off if it were to ever happen at all. But it also feels like a really feasible one, given that his 90s toy pulled it off pretty well. Like, all things it, considered, like... Yeah, it, it pulled it off well, but, you know, there's 
plenty of issues with that toy. Yeah, uh, and you know, so I, I would, I just, I would love to see just how far that could be taken as far as just making it really sturdy and show accurate. It just, it just feels like he would not have to really like be pulling off straight up magic quite as much as a black arachnia or a, oh or no, a not at all, not at all. Um, like, like, like black arachnia for me is like a pipe dream. I would love a masterpiece black arachnia, but I also feel like it's not like a Dinobot where yeah they cheated on the transformation. You know, black arachnia is more like. They just they just removed half of her bulk. Like yeah. it doesn't go anywhere. They, <laughs> they just they took just it away. Invent, invented three new branches of physics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's kind of I mean I know that uh, Bolt, I know you asked about third party as well, but for Beast Wars masterpiece like to me all the excitement is an official masterpiece just because they're accomplishing really interesting new things. Um and I mean, third party is doing some cool stuff with with Transmetal Two guys, obviously with Opt- Optimal Optimus and uh, and, tr- and TM Two Megatron. Mm-hmm. There's also just so much less to accomplish with those two compared to like the season one guys are so like, how do you even do this? Whereas like Optimal Optimus, I'm actually astounded how much transformation Perfect Effect got out of him, um, almost to the point of like just to show off. And in a way, I really like like the fact that they his hands and feet can turn from left to right. Uh, because they can transform the position of their big digit, basically. Um, but there's so much more weird stuff to do with the with non-trans metals. Uh, anyway, um, we got one more listener question. And Aaron, I'd like you to read this one. Partly because I want to hear you say some of the things in the question number one. Okay. All right, so you're saying from Excel Hedge here on September 3rd, 2018? Yeah. That that question? All right. To the podcast crew and the functionalist evangelist. Yeah, you kind of are. Maybe, uh, maybe one, I am. <laughs> are Masterpiece Transformers too expensive now, and should they be scaled back to be affordable? Back in the day, MPO one was affordable. Nowadays, unless the character is mid-tier or lower, the cost of the figures... The lower cost, the figures nearly cost 200 apiece... And almost always has to be imported because Hasbro almost never brings the figures out of Japan. Seriously, to get the three main seekers in MP11 bodies, Starscream with coordination gear was from Japan, Skywarp was from China, Thundercracker from US. And both Starscream and Skywarp were overpriced compared to getting Thundercracker. They were overpriced? They they were overpriced, Aaron? It's what he wrote. They were overpriced, even though we, I, I think that everyone at the time said it's kind of crazy how underpriced Thundercracker. I'm not. I'm just being mean. That's yeah. Right. So I remember because didn't Walmart get two of the three of Walmart them got over Starscream time? And, like, I mean, I'm, I'm forgetting precisely who got Acid, uh, Acid Storm and Sunstorm, but uh, Walmart. Toys R Us. Okay, because I remember specifically Walmart Thundercracker went on, like, rollback extremely quickly. Right. Yeah. And he he was ridiculously inexpensive for how much toy there is there. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't mean to poo-poo the examples, because XL Hedge is asking a solid question, but I gotta say, I really... I get tempted to just want to start picking apart the examples, because the, getting the, the Seekers being difficult to get, I don't think has much to do with them being expensive. Uh... I think it has more to do with them being oh there's so many ways that i want to answer it because it's like there's multiple like, releases of the same body over and over again which is ostensibly a half retool from a 2007 toy that was released over and over again from 07 till 2011 or whatever 
So, like, some of the other things are, I think that the level of complexity of some of these things have, uh, some of the masterpieces has definitely changed. It has, and I, I want to say my my immediate answer to the question, uh, should they be scaled back to be more affordable, is absolutely not. Uh, there are plenty of collector-oriented Transformers coming out that are affordable, uh, and to make Masterpiece um, pointedly be affordable, I feel would negate most of its purpose. As a functionist, it would negate most of the purpose of Masterpiece in 2018 yeah. current era. I, I think, and I've mentioned it before, I think that there is um, maybe leeway that could be opened up at the $100 for collectors area mm-hmm. that's maybe not emphasized as much by first party, by Hasbro Takara. I, I feel like that be- gap because... existing, I feel like it comes on the back of the volume of mainline collector oriented product uh yeah where where for sure there's nothing at the like there's there's kind of a gap between 100 bucks and 150 200 bucks a lot of the time but there's also like five or six 20 dollar things coming out aimed at collectors right yeah Mm -hmm. i mean i if you look at overall cost of things but if you're like man i don't want that now 20 dollar deluxes nah i'd rather something nice at $100, and there's not really that something nice at $100. It's something nice at two bills, or two and a half bills, or three bills, and, and, and then also, it's like... I also really want to point out, because I can't, I can't not say this, you don't necessarily... Like, like, granted... It, oh, you don't have to buy everything. Well, no, you don't have to buy everything, but also, a lot of Masterpiece toys you can find cheaper um, through Japan, not just for pre-orders, but also if you just wait and, and hunt around Mandarake, it's like, right. I, but I've, I've always taken issue with the idea that like all masterpiece toys are, ex- are this expensive, this yeah. like, like kind of high number that supports my points because it's like, yes, but also no, the, the, you can find them cheaper. Uh, and, and yes, some, when they're cheaper will be 200. That's because they are extremely large complex pieces that were close to 300 on release which is maybe part of the point but when they're that expensive i feel that so far they've all fulfilled the function of being a transforming project of that scale Mm -hmm. that i feel justifies its existence whether or not one can afford it is a different scenario obviously but i I think that the making the line specifically become affordable robs it of the reason why you have any of it in the first place yeah there's yeah. part of me, this part of me feels like if you put a price limit arbitrarily on a toy, we wouldn't have gotten anything like MP Dinobot. And and also, why make Masterpiece more affordable when there are affordable collector toys already? Like in my mind, it's like I've had people well, say this well, to me more so, than once. It's, so like, it's like saying, look at look at it though, well, let me, let because me throw, a lot of those other it's it's like saying I want Masterpiece to be like slightly fancy mainline, and I'm like I feel like that's just. T- cutting the legs off masterpiece is what I wanted to say. Yeah, I, I guess the thing is though, it comes back to there. There's a big gap in there, and mm-hmm. it, you, when masterpiece first came out, it was where that gap is now. Oh yeah. And, so but- so if your tempering is that way, and there are a lot of people, and I mean we've met them at conventions and we've had their questions on the podcast before. Mm-hmm. That like sure there might be something that another company's making. But, like, I want to buy official product because I want to support 
the brand. And, and while they are getting more expensive, I also want to say Sunstreaker and soon Hound are also masterpiece toys coming out that uh or you know the police version of sunstreaker and such that yeah. are sub 200 um and they are right they but are some of those times it's not much but... sub 200 yeah yeah but at least on release and like it's it's hard i think sometimes for people to get it like down like okay well i'm gonna wait six months to pick up the new hot toy because by then the I, maybe it'll have been knocked off by somebody else and the legit prices will go down in response or I can go buy somebody's used toy. That's a used toy now. I want one that's not been sullied by other people's hands. I, I, I would also say y'all don't know what used toys in Japan are like till you've bought a used toy in Japan that, that oh, is, yeah. that is oh, yeah. 40% off because someone cut the tape. Like, <laughs> But also... I think Masterpiece Movie and Studio Series kind of illustrate my point in that, like, I like Masterpiece Movie toys for the most part, even, like, the the very much flawed Optimus Prime, but it's really hard to look at Masterpiece Movie toys, which I feel occupy the perfect, like, that spot we're talking about. They're around 100 to 150 bucks, and they're on shelves here uh, in North America. Uh, it's very hard to look at them where they, I feel like they they kind of do have a ceiling on them to a degree, or it, at least they, they don't feel like they... Oh, how do you put this? I feel like Masterpiece Movie is trying to do something that Studio Series is doing better for at, at a bang-for-your-buck level. Um, and it makes me wish Masterpiece Movie actually was a little more expensive to have more stuff moving around uh, in some ways. Because every time... I, like, I really like Masterpiece Movie Prime, partly because I thought, oh, the robot mode looks so good and the transformation's so intense and really well done. It's a shame it doesn't, like, fully come together at the end, but that experience is great. I get Studio Series Optimus, and I'm like, I'm enjoying this more, and I feel like it's doing proportionally just as well in every regard for its price point, and it also costs a fraction of what that other one cost. So, I don't know, like, like it, it, gates, it gates the product off, and I and I and I don't think people should be made to feel bad about getting gated off due to money because obviously that's a huge problem for everybody, myself included. But I I just don't think calling out masterpiece toys as too expensive right now is the kind of hill you should die on. I think it's a really misguided thing to argue that feels like it glazes over how much mainline product there is that is occupying that same demographic. Uh, I just have so much trouble accepting that statement when I look at generations, you know? Like, it's all sitting there still, $20 figures each, or Studio Series, all sitting there still, $20, $30 figures each. And and that, to me, is affordable masterpiece, to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, yeah, like Aaron, like you're saying, like there is a way I think you could take Mainline and maybe pump it up, t- like 20 bucks, 30 bucks a figure, to still be sub-100, but also a little more intense. Uh, and that, I think that stuff should I would not be mad if that stuff existed I wouldn't be mad if Masterpiece scaled back I'd be a little disappointed but I wouldn't be like I wouldn't want to die on the hill over it either I, I just I hear so often about like oh Masterpiece is so expensive nowadays and I just have I feel like I don't understand where like I understand where it's coming from but I don't feel like it has a perspective that I want it to have when it's being Wait. said I, I feel like a lot of that argument just comes down to collectors who remember the way things used to be, where, well, 
Okay, like if even if you, let's say you even get the import of MP01, that only runs you a hundred bucks for a fairly large, big diecast figure of Optimus Prime that looks really, really nice. You know, and co- to compare it to today, where you know Dinobot runs you two hundred, we got a Megatron coming out that'll run you two sixty, and it's like that does seem like they've gotten completely out of hand price wise. But you look at the main line; it's done the same thing too. You look at other toy lines; they've done the same thing too. Everything's more expensive than it used to be, you know, ten or twelve years ago. Like, also, like, I, I don't, I don't actually remember. Was MPO one a hundred bucks when it came out? It was a hundred dollars to import the Japanese version. The U.S. version was it wasn't I think, much 60. more. I think it, I think it was sixty or seventy. Was it sixty or? 70? I thought it was. I want to say they were close to each other, and it was the trailer ad that uh, well, changed MPO4 things. Pumped it up. Um, well, I remember. Well, the, yeah, well, yeah, the yeah the trailer the trailer skyrocketed the price, so that's that's a different that's a, you know that's a different comparison. But. I also I also had a bit of a twitch when I saw the you know I had a bit of a twitch at the the idea that like you know MPO one was was affordable back in the day period because I, I feel like a I'm like I don't remember him being like just a snap fire purchase for me in 04. no but but also. I feel like he was inherently more affordable in that this is maybe the one high-end Transformer that will ever be made. Like, in 04, that was the thinking. Like, this yeah, is like, our one Soul of Chagokin, you know? Right. Like, I remember I remember for me it was, well, you know, it's it's it looks like a really good Optimus Prime, but, you know, like, I've gotten good Primes for only, like, $20, and this is, like, five times as expensive. Well, and he, now, now today, you know, where I'm looking at the same deal with, like, and you know mp optimus prime b3 coming out in mp format and you know it's going to be about five times as expensive as the leader class that i just got that i really really like mm-hmm. you know, like i find you know it's, it feels like yes masterpiece is a lot more expensive than it used to be every toy is more expensive than it used to be and mm-hmm. I, I find it's still completely in proportion to where it was when mp started yeah, and with with the V three being uh, probably very expensive, like, and 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 this is where you know my, the panel I've been doing for the last couple of years comes from. Like to me, I'm like, well, I see. I, to me, it's still worth it because the transformation is going to be very intense and probably well engineered and right up my alley. And it becomes that argument of someone who's like, yeah, but I I just want it to look good, and I don't need to. I don't want to have to pay that much just for the robot mode. Then it's like we we don't actually have an argument to have then because we both want different things, and we need to. This I'm just realizing this is this is really moving into the territory i should be thinking more about of like what i think is worth it is different from what someone else thinks is worth it and we gotta gotta more clearly lay that out which is also why i react a bit when people are like it's just masterpiece too expensive and should be more affordable because i'm like it's it's expensive because the toys are better than they used to be in masterpiece like like masterpiece engineering is markedly better now than it ever has been before in my opinion and that's that's why i think it's worth that money uh and and I, i think that fun toys that give me nostalgic reverie uh can be had at 20 bucks and be very fun at 20 bucks in a 20 dollar way and anyway i'm I'm going all over the place with the question i I feel bad for excel hedge because it's mostly that's not the first time in the last like two months that i've seen the statement masterpiece transformers are too expensive right now period and felt like i take massive issue with that well he, his was a question obviously but i see the words and like something tweaks in me uh because I just feel like it's not the same conversation, but it gives me the same flavor as a lot of third-party toys are knockoffs conversations, 
or I'm like, I don't know how to, how to, uh, establish a bridge between you and I very easily to even start to have a conversation where we're speaking about the same thing. Um, cause like whenever people make the case about masterpiece toys being less expensive, I feel like they're just describing wanting to have fancier mainline toys and it's like, then push for fancier mainline toys because <laughs> they, they're a thing that exists and seems to be very malleable. Uh, Masterpiece is, is doing so much with high budget, it's justifying it, you know? Um, but anyway, there was another question here, and uh, I'll say again, sorry, XL Hedge, that I turned your question into slamming my fist on the table over and over again. Yeah, uh, so the second part of the question is, uh, are there figures you've bought solely for one mode, be it robot, one of assault modes, or combined mode? For me, it would have to be Titan's Return Croc, as I had his Action Master back in the day and care less about him being transformable and more about him being updated with new articulation. Still looking forward to getting Legends Ginrai or Magnus Prime solely for robot mode. Thanks, and always, may the power of Primus be with you. For me, it actually, Croc is a good answer, because... I, I don't often buy a toy for one mode because if I only want one mode, I feel like I'm actually wasting money because <laughs> my value proposition is that I enjoy in some way I got I got to get something out of out of at least one mode and the transformation or both modes and the transformation. If I only get something out of a mode, then I feel like I'm wasting money. So with mainline toys, it's easier for me to do that because it's like this is a $15, $20 spend for a robot mode where I don't really care that he turns into a crocodile. It's just croc. And he looks cool. And it's 20 bucks, and I don't really mind. But, like, when it comes to, like, masterpiece slot fillers and stuff, where it's like, I spend 195 Canadian on this fans toys headmaster mind wipe or, or weird wolf because the robot mode looks good. It's kind of like, all right, but I'm spending near 200 of my country's dollars, and I want to at least like the transformation and care about the alt mode, or I feel like I've wasted half my money. Um... So I was actually pleasantly surprised by that mind wipe, although I still wouldn't spend 200 on him. That I thought that toy was a lot less expensive than 200 Canadian <laughs> when I when I had it on loan. Uh, what about you, Aaron? Have you ever gone just for one mode? Um, occasionally when it comes to combiners, like I'll like three out of the five, and so it's like, well, you got to get the other two parts. Yeah, just like because there's a whole other thing in there, so. On, I almost wanted to troll with an answer. You're like, yeah, Volcanicus, because I think Volcanicus looks really cool. And he, he turns into these chumps, these little dino chumps. But I actually really like the individuals as well. Mm -hmm. um, TJ, what about you? Have you ever gone for one mode on a purchase? I'm trying to think if there is any occasion where I have. I mean, like, I, I, I think in general, like, I'm going in for the robot mode above all. So that's mm -hmm. what I'm going to display it as, and that's how I remember the characters. You know, and the vehicle mode ends up being, like, that's that's a nice little thing it can do. And like, it doesn't really matter what it turns into at that point, outside of, like, you know, if it turns into something accurate or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think if there's any particular mode where it's just like, oh, that looks so cool in that mode. I think I think that's, you know, I, I absolutely have to have that figure. And I think it's really... I think I think robot mode is a valid mode to say is a highlight, though. I mean, that that is why a lot of people buy high end ones. It's, it's, oh yeah, and like and like if something is under like you know 120 bucks, I I feel like I've done it before. We're at sub 120. It's like, well, the robot mode's so good. I'm cool with this. It's a high end action figure who can do a thing like you're you're describing. I think it's when it goes over 150 where I'm like, I really gotta feel like I'm getting something out of all these moving parts. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, but yeah, I, Action Master Croc is like, a very solid answer that like I my brain is like just absconded basically. It's like yeah. no, that's my answer too. <laughs> like I, I like I'm looking at my desk right here. I still have the new Cyberverse Shockwave that I certainly didn't buy for the vehicle mode. And, and I mean that also kind of. I hate going back to my points all the time, but that totally bounces off my other point where it's like for a cyberverse warrior toy, if the robot mode looks really good, like that's fine. Cause it's like, what is it? 20 bucks or what are they in America? Are they 20 bucks there too? Oh yeah. 15 American Canadian, Canadian 20. It's like, that's a bit much for one mode, but like I can see it. And also it's like the end of the day, it's 20 bucks. <laughs> you know, it, it probably, that might impact one week of food spending if you're on a real tight budget, but you'll, you know, he'll move on. I guess. Hopefully you'll move on. My apologies if you don't. I've been there too. Uh, but yeah. Um, I hope that answers your questions, XL Hedge. Okay. Uh, uh, before we move on, uh, yeah. just, just double check. Did we completely gloss over the second half of Bolt Matrix's question? Oh, boy, we did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. What hey. non-animated Beast Wars or Beast Machine figures would you like to get the Master Part Me's third-party treatment? Bringing it back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the the Maximal Combiner. Magnaboss. Okay. Yeah. Actually, actually, can you imagine if they did Magnaboss as official masterpiece, the way they're doing Beast Wars masterpiece? Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be great if they made Ironhide but good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to see someone's vision of elephant ironhide but good i want to know what that's like um i have a really uh, quick easy answer tj what about you uh for me it'd be a third party transmetal waspinator aside from i really like the design but i would take so many repaints of that mold i would take the i would take the red and the black i would take the buzzsaw i would take just classic waspinator I would take the one that I felt that transmetal mold should have always gotten because there's a whole episode devoted to it is mm-hmm. a G1 Starscream repaint. I was going to tell you, if, if a third party did that toy, they would make the vehicle mode look a whole lot more like an F-15, most probably, mm-hmm. and they would immediately release it in Starscream colors, maybe even first. <laughs> uh, that would be freaking cool, though. I, I do I've never owned Transmetal Waspinator, I don't think. I've messed with one, but I don't think I've ever actually owned one. I own the Fox Kids yellow version. I think I have both. If it's not super expensive, I should try to find one at TFCon. I kind of want to... Maybe I have one back in BC, and I just got it during the early aughts, and it was part of when Beast Toys were super cheap, and it was in, like, a lot of 30. I can't... But I don't remember ever playing with the thing at home. I need to find one of those at TFCon. That's a mission. <clears throat> I want it cheap, though. <laughs> uh, my quick and easy answer is I want to see a Masterpiece-style Transmetal 2 Scourge, because he's quietly the best Beast Wars toy and Beast Wars character. So, you know, got to support my boy. Sorry about that, Bolt Matrix. Thank you, TJ, for catching that. Yeah, we just got, got, got talking to the MPs and like, wait, wait, I, I, I had an answer prepared that I didn't say. Where was... Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, sometimes I get a little bit glidey between questions when, like, but credit to all you guys listening, you guys are sending in some really solid questions these days, and it's actually become easier and easier to chain questions together with topics to get flow going. Uh, I guess the the one casualty of that is it's sometimes we just like barrel right past a second question. 
But um, yeah. Did we forget anything else? <laughs> or are we good? Dude? <laughs> Double checking. Yeah. Uh, I think we're good. So let's let's go into what we got this week. Um, I feel bad because this is like the third week in a row I got something on topic, but I haven't opened it yet because I've been been busy with stuff. So I I don't really have anything to say about it. Um, but Aaron, did you get anything on topic? I got some of that PCP. God. Ugh. You know what I didn't get this week? Any PCP. And then I put it in order because friggin' hardreturn.net, the magic man, Ian, upstairs, was like, oh, I just ordered one off Amazon because they, they knocked the shipping down to something reasonable, like 10 bucks, and I just wanted it. So I was like, oh, I'll put it in order for a couple punch counter punches. And then I see this whole thing, which maybe proves not to be true, of the whole scare of, like, Amazon doesn't have any more. And I'm like, my order went in hella late. I ordered him with Repugnus. They just shipped Repugnus by himself. Uh, so I don't know what's up. But TJ, did you get Punch Counter Punch as well? Yes, I did. Okay, you guys just tell me about Punch Counter Punch. Did you do the shoulder swap? I did the shoulder swap. Okay. I did as well. That's a this, that's a whole thing too. Because I saw Despite, I, I saw a couple rounds of people across the internet trying to say that it's lies do you and know? villainy so to that be a the shoulders the photos of the shoulders are correct there was no second shooter to to be a punch counter punch enthusiast to watch this con- to have to get dragged into this conversation assuming i had one and i have not laid hands on one at all I have no idea what anyone is talking about. And then so, to see them so. then turn into, oh, but it's not actually true. And then check the CAD model against the actual toy. And I'm just sitting there going like, you know what? I'm checking out. I don't know what any of you are talking about. I haven't seen the toy. I'm just getting so, frustrated trying to figure so out what's So for those of you on. that may have, have avoided this whole issue. Um, so the part that is like through the shoulder. So his shoulder is on a... A, a peg and uh, round piece around it. It's not really a peg and socket so much. And then a ball joint that sits out on that. So it can do like the shoulder shrug motion to yeah. pull it all in. Yeah, it's a ball, it's a stem, and it's a loop. Yeah. So the issue is that part, if you imagine it looking at it down its cross-section... Um, uh, on its axis of motion, one side of it is curved and the other side is squared off. And it appears, if you look at the CAD model renders of it, that the side that is squared off is intended to go, and I got to sit here and look for sure, is intended to go on the top. And the rounded part, though slightly more aesthetic, uh, is on the bottom. And so what ends up happening is with that layout, for for mine, at least, everybody else's mileage may vary. Um, when I transform it, when it goes all the way up to the top, it clicks into place at the, the topmost part of the shrug that then allows the forearm tab that tabs into the waist to give all of the, the middle of the, the assembly uh, more, more strength and rigidity than it would have otherwise. And the only issue is the process of doing it. There's pins that keep it from opening up and you're kind of stressing against it. But after doing mine and it drawing blood on a fingertip, uh, I see no stress marks or no 
nothing bad has happened from the like kind of wedging that you have to do in order to get everything apart. Yeah, you kind of have to pry it all apart at the orange and blue sections of the torso, and it can be done without tools. Like there's yeah. nothing to unscrew or unpin or anything, but it is scary watching that plastic flex so much. Yeah. The, but the other part of this that's really tricky is he's not a retool of anybody. So like right. I it's good descriptions what you guys what everyone else is doing, but like I decided like I'm I, I bookmarked the video that, that you know, Counterpunch, oddly enough, uh put together of how to fix it. But I was like I'm just going to wait till I get the figure and see, I'm going to try to just see how he feels without doing the swap. And then I'm going to go look at what the swap is. So I get the yeah, whole story. So I did not notice that anything was wrong when I got mine. It like it had that like I'm trying to transform this and it doesn't quite hold together. But eh, modern toy, what you going to do? And then it was like, I saw that video, or I saw, I think I first saw a photo chain that somebody had done, and there's like, and now it, it all holds together because this part didn't want to click, and I, was, and I was like, hey, mine isn't clicking like that, and then I flipped it over, and it was like, oh, yeah, now it appears to work a whole lot better. Yeah, for me, I saw the I saw the issue and everyone posting about it on Twitter well before I received mine. So, like, straight out of the box, I immediately flipped the parts, and I didn't even try it the other way. And all I know is everything works nice, everything fits together snugly and clicks in the right spots. So, clearly, clearly I was right to make the fix. Mm-hmm. This was a really weird thing to watch from the sidelines, like... To just and to watch the argument—that's what made it double weird. Because I was just like, I had no idea what the stakes even were. I was like, is this like a, a breaking part? Is this like a stress mark part? It's like no. And I'm like, I'm so confused. I'm gonna leave this alone. I'm get even if I don't get one off Amazon somehow. I, I've got pre-orders in for the Japanese one too. Like, you know, it's no big deal. But <laughs> that aside, how are you guys finding that figure? Uh, I've enjoyed it very much. The only issue I have with mine that was rapidly fixed with a little bit of uh, floor polish was I have I had loose hips. Yeah, um, yeah. punch counter punch. She's always got those. Yeah, looses. but no, it's the I I kind of wish that there was maybe a little bit more change in his lower half because it's you just like. He has the same, like, helmet half woggles back and forth um, to change the head. So there's nothing clever or new or dynamic on that. But And it's like you rotate his hands around to change the color. And his elbow does 180 degrees of bend, so it's 90 degrees one way and the other. And then you, like, futz with the, the front quarter panels of the car on, a, like, a double swivel shoulder joint piece. So... I, w- I I think it's really cool what he does. I just wish maybe maybe there's something a little bit more different to 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 block it up, but the way that like the entire back half and top of car condensed down to make legs is pretty cool. Yeah, he's he's got a little bit of uh Prid Viacon in his engineering design. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Which, which, okay. I very, which I specifically make note of to make him make that noise. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, like it is it is very simplistic how they created the two modes and is very much in tune with the way it works in the G1 toy. Yeah, with the advent, Oh yeah. Yeah, with the advent of the arms are a little bit more involved to get from one to the other. Uh but this one like I don't feel it needs to do anything like anything more than that. Like Yeah. Uh I I, I was going to say I could do for I, a little bit more paint on the Decepticon legs just to make them stand out from the Autobot legs yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And and maybe maybe that would do it some like if those vents were colored in a little bit differently too mm-hmm. or it it just needs something a bit more because otherwise he's just a whole lot of blue, which was counterpunch. Don't get me wrong, but something to to break it up because the Autobot has, due to what carries over from the car, you get a little bit more color in it. Mm-hmm. Which I guess works. I mean, that makes him much brighter as an Autobot, so I, I, I guess there's a thematic connection there. I mean, I mean, personally, I actually prefer how he looks as Counterpunch. Like, that's how I generally have him. But that's also because he's mm-hmm. a little bit thin or short in the arms so having those outward shoulders kind of makes up for that a little bit mm-hmm. yeah I've, I've been enjoying seeing all the uh just all the photos of him because <clears throat> it's seeing seeing you know actual fans posing the toy has just been like really wetting my appetite more um i'm not chomping at the bit i know i'm gonna get him because i got pre-orders in in two spots and i, I don't want to like up pay to get him as soon as possible because it's like I love Punch Counter Punch, but I'm past the part where I need to pay ahead to get them like as soon as possible. Uh, so I'm I'm really looking forward to them. But like, man, like that, it's so cool that that's just finally like this whole story is now like finished. You know, he's out. People have him. He's 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 now had a whole loud conversation about whether or not he's been assembled correctly. It's like it feels like he's a real toy. Yeah, uh, he he is. I've got I, here here you can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I, that could be anything. That could be anything. I know. I know what you people are like. You guys who work in helicopters, you you, you can you can do whatever you want with that stuff. Uh, Aaron, I'm poking. I'm poking at you. I'm poking mm-hmm. at you. Poke, poke. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we'll see who who lead judge and gopher boy are here soon. <laughs> I'm gonna be the one who has to deal with all the real low key rules things. Yeah, your deck is thirty nine cards. Here, I'll count it again. It's supposed to be forty. Gopher, tell that guy to go get some Axe body spray at least. I'm up here at the head table pushing paper around to look busy and important. You have to have a little black hat on, a little black judge's hat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like a little folded piece of paper. Uh, That's going to be weird for people to hear in a vacuum. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I I don't have Punch Counter Punch. I just have a currently sealed Repugnus that I admit I'm not really in a rush to open because I I've seen other people's Repugnuses. He looks like a good figure, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna let him chill out until I really want to crack him open. Uh, looks great though. I, I opened the lid. Um, looks really good. Trying to trying to work, I really want to get Blast Off as well, but I also know that I absolutely Blast Off's gonna be a third toy I'm getting in a set of three. And I mostly want him for his box. <laughs> it's really lousy. Uh, but yeah, I, I have nothing else on topic really to talk about. Um, Aaron, I asked you about Punch Counter Punch. Uh, TJ, mm-hmm. did you get anything else on topic? Just bouncing over to you. No, because we're we're in that fun little period where my last shipment from BBTS is coming in tomorrow. Hey! 
we'll have lots to talk about next time you're on. Oh, and uh, it's for me, it's an interesting box. Oh, just full of keychain reissue bumblebees. It's a long story. Uh, Aaron, is there anything else on your end that's on topic? Nope. All right, then let's uh, let's just uh, flip on over to a little tad of that off-topic dosh. Uh, Aaron, anything off-topic on your end? Hey, I got an iPhone X. Oh, I didn't know that you love Apple so much. Yeah, well, so I uh, had a 6S. And I had had a battery replacement uh, done on it once. Or I'd actually gotten a factory refurb is what had happened. Because uh, I had the like the battery started going hinky very early on. But it was just outside of the warranty that they were wanting to do. So the best I could do was go for the, app, the AT&T insurance, not the Apple Care insurance that I'd already paid a lot of money for. And the AT&T insurance that I paid a lot of money for. And I think I told the story where I ended up getting a replacement phone. Well, that replacement phone had a couple of kind of bright spots on the screen. Mm-hmm. And I brought it up when I got the phone with the insurance people. And I said, hey, the phone you sent me has these like very bright spots. And if you move the phone around, it looks like it was like the there was light from behind it. Like there's something not right with the screen. And they said... Well, are there any dead pixels? It's like, well, no, there's no dead pixels. It's overly bright pixels. This is this is an issue just in a different direction. And they said, well, if there aren't any dead pixels, then your phone is fine. And I was like, okay, it's something I'll just live with. It's not a big deal. And then the battery started acting weird, and that I it'd be it'd be sitting. We'd be doing a, a, a podcast. And I'd look at my phone and it'd say it's at 60% battery. Okay. We'd keep talking and then it would pop up a notification saying low battery. Uh, do you want to go into safe mode? Like that happens at 20%. That's I was very good. confused and I look at it again. And sure enough, it says 16% and I say, I'll just go ahead and turn you off. And then 20 minutes later, I turn it back on and it's at 65% battery. Yeah, 64% battery. I was reading up on that stuff. 60% when, battery. When and it was just like. Mine was dying. And like, there's, there's all kinds of interesting explanations for how that can be happening, is what I'll say. Yeah. So, a uh, co worker of mine um, was like, hey, in college, I worked at uh, like a cell phone repair place. And he's like, I can, for, I think it was. Eight dollars for the screen and twenty dollars for the battery. I can, I can like replace all that and it'll be new. I was like, okay, you know, I was kind of thinking, hey, this is three years out on the phone anyway. I was kind of looking at replacing it. Sure, if I can limp it along for another year, that's awesome. And uh, so he like cracks it open and man my first time getting to see it in real life opening of of a phone and it is a scary densely packed mess in there uh which is great and horrible on uh uh, on like an engineering side of things (laughs) but and he's like huh that's weird because there is a ton of sealant in this thing like okay he's normally there's not this much 
like sealant. He's like, this is a factory refurb, isn't it? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay. All right. Well, here. And there were points where he was like having to like significantly apply force that I could tell he didn't want to be applying in order to get parts to separate from each other. And so in, in the process of doing that and then trying to put it all back together, there were a couple of places where excess sealant got into probably where it shouldn't have been. Uh. And so when power was reapplied, as we were kind of holding, like there's these three connectors that all sit right in this specific cutout thing that like we wanted to see, make sure that the screen worked because it's a new screen and everything. And like, as we applied power, we saw smoke curl. Uh. He's like, uh, Oh no. And so we took a look at it and what had happened was there was sealant that had gotten into the, the connector on the new screen because of the way that it's like this, like, kind of like a Velcro-y connection of like two parts that are over top of each other. When they line up, they click in place. But it's not like a normal, like an actual connector that you access on anything that has like a positive click action on it. Mm-hmm. And so some sealant had gotten down on that and he's like, oh no, I may have just like bricked your phone. I'm like, it's it's okay because we did a backup just beforehand or I, I did a backup like an hour ago or whatever, you know, close enough that like I won't have lost much it's alright and then he got super apologetic about it he's like that shouldn't have happened I'm better than I'm like no we were already seeing how goofed up it was with all the extra guck in it not a big deal I just gotta go to the AT&T store now and get a new phone that's alright <laughs> I was kind of thinking about doing that this weekend anyway and he was still apologetic and I'm like dude it's you know it was trying to Trying to back him off the ledge. He's like, okay, well, what AT&T store are you going to? And I said, well, I'm going to the one that's, like, between here and home. He's like, all right, I'll meet you there. I just thought he was going to, like, walk me through. Because I was kind of sitting there talking about, like, I was thinking about getting the 8 to keep the thumbprint reader. But then I'm already getting a year-old phone. Maybe I'll just get the new relative new hotness because I couldn't get the newest hotness. Because uh, that wasn't out at that time, and uh, like, yeah, I'll, I'll just get it figured out. So I thought like he was going to come and walk through some of that too. So we go through the whole process, and the guy there is trying to upsell me hard on on uh, Android phone. And I was like, well, I'm already kind of in the in the walled garden, and I've got like an Apple Watch that would be useless if I got an Android phone. And I've got enough other stuff that's connected to this and like software that's connected into it that, like, it's not what I want right now. I want the Apple phone, and I can't decide if I want X or Y. And the guy's like, oh, fine, then whatever. And had kind of, like, given up on customer service at that <laughs> Flips point. Flips you off, spits on your shoe, just walks away. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And so then, like, go through it and get everything set up. And he's like, okay, there you go. I'm like, well, I'm going to, like, set it up here in store, right? I, sh- I should probably do that. Oh, yeah, probably. I was like, uh, okay. And uh, so go through that process, and it was a whole lot of like, hey, you need to update this. Hey, you need to update this. Hey, you need to update this. And so it was like going through all of that stuff. And I realized that it has been a very long time since I saw the 
actual uh, Andy Roo photo that is my lock screen. Oh, boy. And I was like, I don't know. Like, this should come over on the backup, right? And then my friend who, he knew Andy Roo, he all of a sudden got extremely like, oh, oh no, what if what if that photo's not there anymore? What if, what if, what if, what if you don't have that photo anymore? I'm like, oh, I, it, it'd be rough. And he's like, uh, he was like getting even more nervous. And so then the AT&T guy's like, all right, well, let's go ahead and take care of the, the money aspect while this is going through. And then my friend like throws down $80. He's like, that should cover like your initial taxes and everything. Right. And the guy's like, uh, yeah, it's like 73, whatever. He's like, okay, at least I can cover that. And so then as we were sitting there, then finally, like, the all the update stuff finally comes through, and there's Andy Roos photo. He's like, oh, thank goodness. I thought I thought, I thought I was going to have to pay a whole lot more money for losing that photo. And I was like, no, you already paid more than you need to. So whatever. Just, just don't let out magic smoke in the future, all right? And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll try not to. Man. And now you have a phone. That's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> um, the 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 face thing isn't nearly as as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah, it's, it's just so. inherently creepy. But that's, yeah, you know that's about it. Yeah. Um, anything else off topic on your end? Not really. All right. Uh, this is an aside. I haven't even watched it. I just clicked on YouTube to take a look at my front page, and it seems like there's a new Venom trailer out. And boy, that movie's gonna have a rough time, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's hard to see. Did you guys see that? Not to not to go totally tangent right away, but this is an aside off that. Did you guys see that footage of Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker and how it looks like like a pretty darn neat movie where him being the Joker is maybe the worst part? Like no, I had I did, I, did, I saw the pictures of. What what Joker like at least in that scene looks like? I didn't see the actual scene. Oh yeah, it's it's from footage someone was taking of of like two takes of that scene. Uh, it looks really cool. Like it's just it's it's a shame he has to be the Joker because it just means no matter what happens in that movie, it's gonna be like yeah, well where's Batman? And it's like mm-hmm. it's like just make a cool crazy clown man movie. Good lord, this guy's. I do like that he's wearing the Kenner toy uh, palette of like orange and mauve red or whatever. Like it looks it looks sharp. Um, anyway, that's my off-topic bridge over to TJ to say, did you do anything off-topic? Uh, no. Ah. Uh, no. A lot of my budget is, A, in the box that's showing up tomorrow, or, <laughs> ironically, yeah, or B, uh, set aside for a friend's birthday on Thursday because me, him, and a few others are going to see Transformers in theater. Hey, him, happy birthday there he'll hear it well after his birthday but hey happy birthday um yeah off topic all i really did was last week i talked a little bit about looking into this miniatures game which is like blood bowl but wrestling called rumble slam uh and since then i bought it and have painted the models in the starter set and it looks really cool um tj i should show you some of this you should look it up look up rumble slam it might it might be a thing that you you find amusing Uh. uh there's a the, the 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 front the two frontman character superstars there's an orc called gun who's an orc if hulk hogan was an orc so he's got the stash and he's ripping his shirt and then there is a dwarf called ronnie salvage who is a dwarf that is dressed like randy savage <laughs> uh who in the expansion it is revealed his car is the mach 5 from speed racer but it says rs on the front and is painted in in big loud randy savage 
colors. Anyway, the models are really nice. They're all they're all like I, paint, I painted the 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 ogre or the troll. Uh, the two of them, they both have just like really good muscle sculpts, and I've never really did much painting on like human stuff with musculatures, and it's really fun to paint because like if the sculpt is good, it's not actually all that hard to make it look really good, and I feel all accomplished now. Um, but that's kind of the gist of my off topic. I've just been doing some miniatures painting stuff. Uh, kind of, it's a train I started and then didn't jump all the way onto about a year or so ago, and so all of my stuff I bought then to get going on it, I've just been using, and it's all still great. I uh, my next project is I have stuff in in paint pots from Citadel and, and Formula P3, and so I am planning to transfer all of it to dropper bottles because I need dropper bottles in my life, and I don't need paint pots. I hate paint pots. I really hate them. Now that I've got more dropper bottle paints, it's like, I, I like these paints. I hate the thing they're in. I want to put them in dropper bottles. So that's a little project I want to do uh, sometime soon. Uh, and also there's Magic the Gathering cards coming out on the weekend. And mm-hmm. I, I still want to do that. Um, Core 2019 left me real cold, especially because it just led to like the most bloated standard format, apparently, which I found very daunting and unpleasant. So I'm kind of looking forward to this rollover because Ravnica stuff looks cool. And it also, like, I can finally just, like, take all the Amonkhet and Kaladesh stuff and put it in a different box and forget about it. Uh, Have a more streamlined standard experience for a week or two before I go back to Popper. Um, Yeah, again, I'd I'd like to check that out because Ravnica was one that hit me. And the way that my localist gaming store kind of gave me the cold shoulder about trying to buy Transformers is just like... Maybe I don't want to do business here. Yeah, I mean, a lot of stores do pre-releases. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Oh, they were they were hyping up their pre-releases. They weren't wanting to buy stuff that I was going to give the money up front because there's the the magic thing that's coming out soon. So that's what's got all their money. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. I mean, I guess it, it does. I was going to say a pre-release. Technically, it's like it's like. 30 Canadian dollars to do a pre-release. But I forgot about the part where a lot of people tend to buy a box when they do a pre-release as well. Mm-hmm. That, that makes it a much a much more expensive experience. <laughs> uh, Alright, well I guess that's our off-topic segment. That's fine. Um, our, our lives are purely Transformers right now. That's not the case at all. But thank you all for listening, because I think that is, either way, the end of the show. So... We will talk to you again later. Uh, again, if you haven't listened to it, even if you're not interested, please go check out the interview we did with Drew Nolosko from Wizards of the Coast about the Transformers card game because it took me a while and I want more people to listen to it. <laughs> and that is 100% my motivation. Also, it's interesting to hear the perspective of someone who's working on like what I would still call a licensed game, even though it was pointed out like it's a licensed owned by the company that owns wizards of the coast right so it, it's, it's in it's internal yeah it, it technically is all in-house still but it has di- i still believe and from the new view i still believe that like it has a different approach than if it was like an like something wizards made up like you know magic um, mm-hmm. but please check that out if you can and uh either way we will talk to you again later so thank you aaron and tj for joining me and thank you all for listening uh please stay safe out there and uh, drink your water. Add all that up. I don't know what the f*** it means, but you got some badass perpetrators now here to stay. Now I'm going to stop.
How do I stop Craig? Craig, leave. <laughs>